Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where warriors are shaped. I'm your host, Danny Timras, and it is my personal mission to help you awaken your warrior spirit. Fearless Warrior isn't the one who has no fear. It is a warrior who stays with the fight no matter the struggle, fear, or circumstances. The real warriors have the discipline, grit, and tenacity to chase their dreams and stay on their path. Are you one of them? Tune in and learn from the warriors of today and start carving out the warrior within. Welcome to the Feelers Warrior Podcast. This is Danny Tamras, your host, and today I'm super excited about this very special Valentine's-themed episode. I'm here joined by two amazing individuals. First and foremost, my dear husband, Mo Tamras, and second, our very dear friend, Mariam Girogatze. And together, we'll be talking about relationships. We thought it would be pretty fun to talk about what we do and our relationship to keep our marriage thrive and to keep it happy, nurture it. And that's why we invited Mariam, our very dear friend, to interview us and to talk to us about what we do and things don't work. How do we deal with issues or different things? So here we are. And I'm very grateful for Mariam to be here and to take on this role today to guide us through this conversation. Mariam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm definitely excited. And honestly, I'm really honored to be the interviewer. I think like I have a very special like mission today, put it that way, because I consider you guys to be very real people individually and as a couple, which throughout my short life on this earth, put it that way, I have found to be quite difficult. People are not usually as authentic as you would want them to be or expect them to be or you would encourage them to be. So I'm definitely honored to be doing this with you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And actually, a quick note uh, for, for others who haven't heard our episode with Mariam earlier in the fall last year, we actually recorded a very special episode with Mariam. It's number eight, if you go back uh, through the episodes. And we talk about differences in cultures between Eastern Europe, U.S., different countries, and especially how that shows up in work, career, relationships, specifically for women. So if you want to get to know Mariam a little bit better, go check out that episode. But right now, we're ready to dive in into our conversation. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience as well being interviewed by you and it definitely was a very, very deep conversation. I, as one of the fans of your podcast, definitely encourage everyone to listen to other episodes as well. I guess I, I'm ready to take over the mic and uh, put myself in your shoes. Oh yes, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Where I would want to start first is giving your audience really the understanding of what your journey was to where you are today. And I think the very first question, logical question would be, how did you guys end up where you are today? What's your story? What I'm looking for in this answer is not just events of how you met each other. But I think a little bit of nuggets of your personal journey towards 
the really wonderful relationship that you have today. I think I'll let Mo speak first because <laughs> he's Hello. been sharing away from the microphone. Uh, she's setting me up, giving me all the hard questions. <laughs> I'll chime in. I'll chime in. There's a lot to say, but, you know, this is not a <laughs> one-side conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of background and, and then see where it goes. But, yeah, we've been together for eight years now. We met 2013. 2013. 2021, right? We happen to have studied at the same school. We've done our master's degree at the same school, Halter International Business School. And we met at one of the alumni students mixers. I was an alumnus and Daniela just started her year. And it was an interesting encounter for sure. <laughs> it was. I guess the reason why we're laughing is because, you know, one of the first few encounters, or maybe, I don't know if it was the second or which one, it didn't go so well, you know? It's like no. we needed to find our path to each other. I got other. shut down, to put it mildly. So <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't all frictionless. As a matter of fact, that's probably one of the themes that define our relationship. It's not about having frictionless relationship. I, actually, that would be a very boring relationship if you're always in harmony. So we've definitely had our back and forth. And, you know, it was a challenge for me because, you know, she's definitely one of the most attractive women you'll meet. And for me, you know, it's... I've had my experiences too, but it was a challenge. And I said, okay, I got shut down once, probably twice, I want to say, from the first encounter. <laughs> but I kept coming back because I'm a very stubborn guy. And, you know, I don't give up easy. So, and lo and behold, it worked out. It did, and I'm glad it did. Yes. <laughs> I've met Mo like a year before I met you, Danny. And my friendship with him started earlier. And I've known him as someone who... I had a hard time imagining it to settle down. And when I heard that you guys got together and your the relationship got serious and then you were engaged, I was like, wow. I was really impressed by you, Danny. And I think that I was also impressed by Mo's character of being willing to not just be so focused on career and achievements like the one I've known him before, but also to work through the wonderful relationship that, that you have today. But I'm curious to um, uh, dig a little deeper into that. I think there is this understanding and notion of like, oh, you know, like smart and strong women or like men do not necessarily navigate um, towards, um, I would say us, I would put myself in that category. But um, one thing that I'm curious about um, from Yumo is what is it, in particular, it's not just a challenge that was inviting to you that I got to get this girl, but maybe what is it as you're a high achiever. And for someone like you, maybe what was, what were the qualities that really drove you to her? And even I would say probably like force you or encourage you to look at yourself and change a little bit towards being a better person. Oh, you're asking me all the hard questions already. <laughs> I like it. That's why we're here. I like it. Well, that's a good question. And I think so. I, I want to, you know, explain that it wasn't all about the challenge. I mean, don't get me wrong, for certain types of guys, the thrill of the hunt is real, but it wasn't just that for me. I mean, it might have had some aspects of it, but I think for me, when I met Daniela, I was at a point in my life when I said, okay, you know what, if I'm going to spend my life single, I'm okay with it. I was completely okay with it. I wasn't trying to force a relationship. And 
I wasn't also looking for wonderful love that is going to completely change my character. That wasn't the objective, even though it happened. So the initial encounter wasn't probably the smoothest, but I had an intuition, I think. A lot of guys don't listen to their intuition and they do better if they, they do listen. My intuition was, hey, I see more to Daniel than what's on the outside. I had a really great intuition and, and sometimes you just have to follow your gut. And following your gut for me meant that, okay, we're going to take this from just one date to two dates to, you know, multiple dates to maybe getting even more serious after. But I think the key trait for me is that I saw a lot of values that I appreciate in her. I saw tenacity. I saw persistence. I saw how driven she is. I saw how kind and real and authentic she is. And I saw that she's after something. And I really appreciate those values in, in people. So we, we connected on values. We have very, very different backgrounds. I originally was born in the Middle East. I grew up there. Danny you know, grew up in uh, Central Europe. So we have very different backgrounds, different religions, different you know beliefs in certain areas. But I think we connected on values. And that is really the key. I saw values that are very, very hard to find in a partner. And that definitely drew me to her and made me pursue this. And lo and behold, it manifested into <laughs> something wonderful. That's amazing. You actually mentioned like a few things I want to unpack, but if I run down everything that we are talking about, we probably will not have enough time. Um, Danny, I want to ask you, what's the other side of the story? What I would like to understand, and I think the audience will value as well to understand is like most side of stories that I was not there for like a thrill of a hunt but it was more like I really loved what he said about that he connected with you on values and I know you as a very strong and very confident and very much of an achiever as well and I respect a lot of those values in you and these are usually like associated with the women who are kind of not really able to find that sweetness in the relationship. Um, stereotype, right, around it. I would like to understand what was it from your perspective of what drove this relationship to like the point where it started becoming really serious and turning into what it is today. Well, I feel like it became serious very quickly. <laughs> it's yes. almost when you meet your soulmate, and I honestly feel that's what we are, is that you kind of know, and we started connecting on a very deep level you know, very early on, right? Like uh, from what Mo was sharing with me and how he was opening up to me, how vulnerable he was about his experiences and the things that were important to him. I think I was falling in love with him, you know, very, very quickly. It didn't take long. And as he said, you know, absolutely. It's, um, you know, we have so much in common, especially when it comes to our values and what we value in life, what's important to us. And, uh, uh, the one thing that you mentioned was the stereotype of women who are, let's say, very like career oriented or ambitious, and the fact that maybe they are not as soft. I feel like that is uh, kind of <laughs> made up, or I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I believe there's love in everybody, and uh, if a man doesn't appreciate woman's ambition and drive, probably he is dealing with his own insecurities. And that definitely wasn't the case with Mo. He's one of the most confident people I know and also someone 
or he is the one person who has helped me the most to rise up and become the woman I am today. So when it comes to confidence or communication and different skills that I've learned over time, I've picked up so many things from him. So we've been, you know, helping each other. So if for any reason you're in a relationship and your man feels threatened by your success, then you know, there's something else going on, right? Like there are, there are reasons why he might be afraid that you may not need him at a certain point, right? Like you can go deeper in that direction, but the right person will appreciate your drive, your skills, your contribution, and will want to see you happy and shine and smile. Something that you've said makes me kind of connect the conversation back to what Mo also mentioned when I asked that question about starting the relationship with you was, uh, he said, I was okay to be single. And I wonder how much that plays important role in terms of being okay with yourself, being comfortable within your own skin. Like to what you were saying, Danny, like you see him as a confident man who stands on his own and he's not threatened by your success. I'm sure you feel the same way about him. And I see so many couples sort of using their relationship as something to lean on and coming to it to heal from something else. I wonder, like, from both of your perspectives, being your own person and coming into a relationship as to complement one another, what did it mean to you, both of you? It's a wonderful question. I'm not sure if you want to answer first. All right, I'll, I'll answer first. Yeah. I think what you're saying is very, very true. I think a lot of people, they look at a relationship and they place very unreasonable expectations on the relationship. They they want their partner to be a therapist, a success coach, a motivational guru, you know, a partner, a lover, somebody who takes care of the house too, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the challenge. I think the problem too is a lot of people go into a relationship and they're seeking to be filled with love rather than give love. And that distinction I made early on just from my research about relationships, which are probably one of the most difficult things you can do. It's a very different mindset if you go into a relationship and want somebody to fill you up with love and you're seeking love. Not just that you're going to come across needy, but it's because you're going to come across as someone that is in the relationship to take, not to give. And when you're doing that, you're going to come to the relationship with a mindset of scarcity. Um, and sometimes the relationship is not going to give back, right? If you're always going to come to the relationship to take rather than building it up, you're going to come to a certain point where, okay, you're not you're not building it. It's going to deplete because it's only one way relationship. So I think it's really important that whether you're, you're a man or a woman, if you're going to come in a relationship, you need to understand where you are at that point in life and what you're really looking for. And And I think for me, you know, I wasn't perfect. It wasn't that I came into the relationship and I'm okay with being single. Doesn't mean that I didn't have my issues and downsides and shortcomings, but I think I didn't place that unrealistic expectation that this relationship is going to change my life around. I'm going to come to it for taking everything I need, filling me up. It was more about, and I think as, as long as you maintain the balance, at least give more than you take, you're going to come across on the other side successful. A few things I would add here is that when you are strong, you can be your best self. And that's when you can actually be the best partner for your spouse and the relationship can really flourish. And I think also with us, it's, you know, we, we've gone through different phases, right? It hasn't been always rosy, but we work through our things. And mm -hmm. when you mentioned independence, I know that 
you know, specifically myself, that's something I actually needed to work on some more, especially actually later in our relationship. And that was also when I was going through my own depression and was confused about many things. And lots of things were kind of up in the air and things were kind of falling apart. And that's when you need to realize that even though you're in a relationship, first and foremost, you're your own person. You're responsible for your own actions, for your life, and also for, for the happiness of the relationship from your side, right? I would say that both partners, they play an equal part. It's almost like 50-50, right? And sometimes one person can need more because there are different circumstances happening in your life or different challenges, and it's okay as long as you balance each other out, but it can never be 100 and zero, right? So it's critical that each partner has their own sense of purpose. They know why they need to be showing up in life, but also for each other and and that they keep the love alive, right? Because it can mm-hmm. happen, of course, like, you know, there's this huge amount of passion at the beginning of every relationship, right? But then you need to keep it, I want to say like fresh and exciting. And it's not just about like doing new things, but then oftentimes you find out that the beauty is really in the simplest things or there are days when I look at Mo and he's washing dishes and I feel so much love for him because, you know, that's the one thing he hates doing. And when he does that, it's because he does it for me. And then, you know, and I feel loved by that. This is what I give to the relationship, washing dishes. <laughs> much more. Not much much more. more. <laughs> that's not such a terrible thing. I'll tell you, like when I'm busy, like when like, sometimes like, especially like when I have a busy season at work and I come out of the office and I see my partner washing dishes and I'm like, oh, I look at him and I'm like, I love you. It really is an amazing thing. Like little things like that on a consistent basis that you do. There's an interview with Simon Sinek that I was listening to a while ago and something very nicely he put it that you can't really put a date on when you fell in love with someone or when you fell in love with something. It's just like a little bit of consistency in everyday actions that one day you wake up and you look back and you're like, I really, really love this person. And it's not about because of one thing or two that they did. It's just tiny actions that add up. And I believe that that's like everything in life, little things that you do like 20 years after you look back and you find yourself to be successful and to have achieved what you wanted to achieve. But anyway, I want to talk about something that I am personally very passionate about as a topic in relationships. And I think that you guys mentioned a few things that are really, really important to that, which is the balance between fulfilling yourself and working on your own self-realization versus doing it together. And I think that it's such a tricky part. Like I personally struggle with how much do I have to do on my own being dependent and how much can I actually ask for help from my partner? Or like how much time do I really need to dedicate to X, Y, and Z that I'm working towards and when do I really take time to just be with him and spend more time with him and I know I struggle with that and I cannot imagine to be the only one there are a lot of people who unfortunately really sway off balance and I'm curious to like I know as I mentioned before you're both very dedicated to what you do and your own self-realization I really like this word I'm going to use it probably a few times But um, I'm curious to like how you find the balance, like what are your strategies or your advice or what do you do to keep yourselves like happy as an individual, but also when you come back together, like you build a relationship 
continue building every day on top of it? Great question. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like it doesn't have to be either or, right? You as an individual, you need to know what's important to you. You need to have your own goals, your own dreams that you work towards, but it doesn't mean you can't ask for help. And then there's still um, a certain level to it, right? If you're asking to your partner every five minutes, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Oh, it's just like, I'm not skilled at that. Then that, that may be too much, right? And then so, however, if your partner has strengths in a certain area, then of course, I mean, you should ask him for his opinion because that's what he's great at, like leverage each other's strengths. I said that earlier, I learned so much from Mo. Like he's been one of the most influential people in my life. And I'm very grateful that I learned from him. And I think it might go, you know, both ways. So, and then, you know, when you're succeeding, it makes the other person happy, right? Like he, he wants to make me, ha see me happy. I want to see him happy, right? So we celebrate each other's successes. And especially now and say in the past year that we've been working from home, I, I feel like it's actually easier to connect um, uh, than before. Sure, sometimes that may mean that it feels like we're to get too much. Let's say that my, you know, he can talk about it from his perspective. From my perspective, it feels e great to, some, to a big extent because he's just in the other room. So if I want to, you know, Easy come access. in for a chat or hug him or, you know, I can. And it's very nice. So no escape. <laughs> <laughs> No, I absolutely. And I think I'll add to that, that. I am of the mind that you are the one that is ultimately responsible for your own happiness. And I think if you put that motto front and center in your life, then you realize that, yes, you know, having a partner is, is awesome. You know, getting that sense of connection, attention, spending quality time together. But at the end of the day, the more you understand yourself and the more you understand what your needs are, then you can balance it better with the needs of your partner. So The other thing here is people have different tolerance and different needs for things like quality time, like the five love languages and, and you know, the, the love touch, right? Some people will want compliments, right? Some people want recognition, things like that. What you want to, you want their partner to come to them and say, Hey, I love you, or you're really amazing, or you've done something amazing for me. So they have those needs to different degrees. And I think the key here is communication because yes, guys, we need more alone time <laughs> than our uh, finer sex, right? They don't see it that way. But if you really need to spend some time getting a certificate or writing your book or working on your business and your partner starts feeling like, okay, I need to spend more time with you. I need some quality time. That won't happen on its own. You got to communicate and you got to find a way to I say, okay, you know, can we meet in the middle? Maybe I'll do this. If you give me two, three hours here, I'll come and spend time with you. And this is going to be amazing. And we get our clashes too. Sometimes <laughs> I need more time. Sometimes Daniela needs more time that we have to spend apart. But as long as you find that way to communicate and talk about it, I think maybe balance is the wrong word here, but I think you can fulfill all these needs at the same time without having to sacrifice too much. Yeah, I think it comes down to respect, right? Like respecting each other's needs, also differences and accepting them. A big lesson I needed to learn, especially early on, and also just realizing so much how different men are from women and that men are not just a woman dressed as a man, but <laughs> very, very different, right? They don't interact the same way as we do. And just accepting those differences is the first step to a happy relationship. You guys have hit on some really really important like pieces of 
nuggets and advice, wisdom there. But I think that one thing that I would like to dig deeper into is you both have mentioned like communicating and respecting one another. I think that for me, the big part of that, not just only in a loving relationship, like romantic relationship, but I think that in every kind of relationship, especially the romantic one, a lot of it also comes down to having the right expectations and setting the right expectations. And after that, communicating. And I think like one thing that Mo was saying, like, you know, you, you, you got to communicate, like I need more time. Sometimes she needs more time. But besides that, I think before you even get to that point, there is how you proactively communicate. I guess that's how it would call the setting the expectation piece. So I'm curious if you find that to be, that's my observation at least, and I'm curious to like understand if you find that to be true, to what degree, and where is that kind of like, where does that throw you into over-communication maybe when like, it's, it's just getting too much, like too much scheduling on your calendar, too much setting the time for X, Y, and Z. Where is that sweet balance maybe for you? I don't think everything has to be scheduled per se, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. Like I'm, I'm all fan of scheduling in your business, personal life. And sure, like it's good to schedule perhaps dates, but then the partner is right next to you. Like go talk to him. <laughs> like, like if I was to schedule everything, I'm like, no, like I don't want to manage a relationship like I manage my business. So like that's my personal preference perhaps, but managing or communicating your expectations, extremely important. And I would add to it, especially, let's say, when they get broken or or let's say you you expect something from your partner or let's say you hope that, let's say, when you have disagreements, you can communicate a certain way or when you get upset that you need to communicate that. And let's say some people are more okay saying it right there and then when it happens and some keep it more to themselves. And I'm, let's say, in, in my specific scenario, like I'm the type of person that if there is an imbalance or disharmony in the relationship, I need to go fix it or no matter like whose fault it was or what, it doesn't matter. But like, I cannot function well if I know that we're kind of in the middle of this argument and now it's just simmering. Like I need to talk it out. That's my personal approach. Yeah. And I think you said something important there, which is probably one of the most dangerous things to relationships is unspoken expectations. I think that's really the heart of the matter, because if you break down any relationship, it really comes down to a breakdown in communication. And for example, we've had a lot of these small things that happen and we had to hash it out. And usually we hash it out with a fight and how well we manage that fight or how, whether it's a big fight or a small fight, it really depends on how well we approach it. Uh, a very simple example is, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, if Danny was outside and just came home, she really wanted immediate attention, like 10 minute greeting, maybe 15 minute greeting. And you might disagree. I know you're giving me the look right now, but you, know, you, you wanted me to come and communicate with you and talk to you, maybe hug you, just give you that attention. Right. And if I started a task, I like to finish it. If I get interrupted, I get moody and cranky. So for me, sometimes I'm like, I'm in the middle of something and we didn't see eye to eyes. Like she had an unspoken communication there. Maybe that, Hey, I wanted to see you. Right. And she's not agreeing. So I'm well getting communicated. In it was, see, see, she's like well communicated. So for me, it was unspoken for a little bit. But for her, from her perspective, she already told me. And the funny part is my expectation or my understanding of this thing is 
it's not needed. I will come after I finish the test. Like, give me 10, give me 15, give me 20. Her expectation is like, no, there's not, you know, you need to come. I already spoken to you about the, the expectation. So that's the thing. And it's not going to happen from one discussion or two discussions or, or 10 sometimes. You might have to get into fights. You might have to do some compromises and you might have to explain. I think this is the key thing. You have to explain your reasons why. You have to explain the reasons why this habit that your partner is doing is upsetting you or why do you want this habit from your partner? And then if you can find a different way maybe to communicate the same feelings of love, of attention with a different habit, maybe you come to an agreement or sometimes you have to just compromise a little bit and recondition your habits so that you meet them where they are or meet them halfway. That's phenomenal insight. I love it. But like what I was thinking in the back of my head as I was listening to both of you is how much of that really comes from understanding yourselves first? And what I mean by it is, for example, and you might have experienced it, I will just speak from my personal experience as an example. There have been some things like that we do in the house and like I get upset, but obviously my partner will not be able to read my thoughts, right? And there are some things where I will take a moment and I'll really examine what is it that has triggered that, particular mood or I don't know particular like symptoms that I've said and didn't come through as I intended or whatever that was and I think that what has really helped me personally in a relationship is just really taking time to like understand what is it that triggered me where I'm coming from why I'm feeling about this things in a particular way and I think that and I mean one of the topics that we three of us bonded as friends with self-development, right? Understanding yourself and improving yourself. And I see both of you as like really great examples of taking time to understand yourselves. I would like to, maybe you guys can share a little bit more with me and with your audience. Like, what is the role of this? How do you see that? There's always an improvement, right? We can always improve in understanding ourselves. And I don't think we can ever reach the level where we fully know ourselves and there is no more progress we can make. But do you agree, disagree? Like, how do you see the role of self-awareness in a relationship? Oh, it's crucial. It's, you know, it's absolutely essential. You know, your partner can help you see your blind spots. But first, if you're not willing to admit them or really see it, then I won't say it's bad. But you need to be willing to AC the feedback that your partner is sharing with you. But second, yes, like you should be interested in understanding yourself better and getting in tune with your emotions, right? This is so critical because, and this doesn't just affect you in your relationship, right? At work, you work with people. As long as you work with people, there'll be always emotions involved and, you know, life overall. And there are things that upset us that make us stressed and we need to know what's going on, like what triggered that emotion and also establish certain practices to actually bring us back to calmness. And uh, that's not as... That's not easy, definitely not that it's start, but it can be done, right? And similarly, like as in any relationships, you also need to pick your battles, right? Like, is it really worth fighting about the trash or something stupid, whatever <laughs> that didn't happen versus, you know, that you're, you can rely on your partner in all their, you know, important areas and trash is not really important to him, you know, as much. But it doesn't mean that he's telling you that, you know, you're not important right like sometimes you make conclusions like mo often likes to quote that <laughs> women like to jump to conclusions so much but 
Uh, and that's why it's important to communicate the why. Like if he does something that annoys you, you need to tell him why and how does it make you feel. But I do believe that my interest in personal development has helped me understand him better because especially early on, like I actually, you know, I got some books that really helped me get a little bit of perspective into the man's, you know, brain or like how they act, what they need. And even just like the first, almost one saying like first commandment in when it comes to love towards men is that for them, it's not love that's the most important, it's the respect. If the man doesn't feel respected and he will not give love back or maybe not as much as he would otherwise. And that was a huge realization to me. And it also it clarified a lot of different questions or things that I saw in my life before, right? And it kind of added things up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think self-development is, is going to help you in all areas of your life. It might be 50% of this equation. It might be more sometimes. But I will say if animals can do it, then we should be able to do it, right? Animals can have relationships. Animals communicate. Some of them communicate with body language. They don't even communicate with spoken word. And, you know, there's a great quote that I read once is that, Communication is not saying things the way you want to say them. Communication is how the other person responds to what you're saying. And the challenge here is a lot of people go and try to discuss something in the relationship when they're very angry or very upset. And your partner is not going to look at that and, and understand the words coming out of your mouth. They're going to look at your angry emotions and say, oh, you must hate me. You know, you must really be feeling terrible feelings toward me. They're not going to listen to anything you say. I think that the key here is emotional control. Self-development will help a lot with emotional control. But if you can control your reaction in the moment... Go cool off. Understand how you can cool off. That's also important because we cool off very differently. Understand how you, you cool off and how you can calm down and then come back, have a discussion, understand what happened and explain what you really felt and what you really meant. Because a lot of people don't explain what they meant. And that will also help reduce the jumping to conclusion or thinking that you really hate them or they really don't or understanding how they really felt in the moment and what that meant. But it's not easy. It's not that we always do it perfectly either, but it's really important to understand how you can de-escalate from a fight because that will help you come back and reflect on what happened better. Great. Thank you both. I want to pick on something that Daniela said when she was responding to my question, which was your partner can help you see your like, good sides and bad sides, right? And you've mm -hmm. got to be willing to admit. I want to take that nugget of insight and kind of like build on that towards a slightly different direction, which you also touched upon, Danny, in terms of like differences in men and women. When I have observed relationships of other people when I was single and I kind of like was trying to understand like what is it that I was looking for, for example, and I've like, you know, like you have read books about women's psychology and men's psychology, so on and so on. I think that the difference between us is not appreciated put it that way in every way like whether it's in business it's romantic relationship it's like any other type of family relationship a friendship and i'm curious to understand what i feel like and you, you might not agree with me but please chime in women kind of have a tendency of more looking at themselves and always looking at improving like trying to look for ways to improve themselves and improve the relationship while there is the stereotypical belief that men kind of have more of a tendency of like if i have my basic things 
right? If I have my basic things down in this relationship, everything's great, right? Like at least there's a societal understanding of how we handle their relationship. And I think that with this, I will jump to Mo with this question. And Danny, I hope you can chime in here too. For all the men out there who think they're sophisticated in a very sophisticated way about relationship or in a very simple way, I know you're a phenomenal husband to a phenomenal wife. So please share. What is it that you've learned about her? How do you find ways to appreciate her unique ways of communicating and living that are so different from the way you've been? Right. (laughs) I would like to hear the same from Danny, but I think that there is a lack of voice from men in this area. I would like to understand first from you, Mo, what is it that you had to maybe change, understand differently, expand and open your mind to be more acceptive of the different ways of how your partner handles the like some of the same things that you've been doing? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a great question. And I think I can't talk for all men because men are very different. You know, even even myself, when I interact with other men, they can be very, very different. But I think the stereotypical or the type of man that usually get misunderstood is the reason why they're looked at that way is because, uh, and, and I know you mentioned, you know, self-development and women might want to develop themselves in certain areas where men think of the relationship, if I have my basic need, I'm good. I think the reality from a man's perspective is they have very, very difficult time connecting with their emotions. And that's partially due to testosterone, actually. You know, there's biological, biochemical reasons that might be related to that. And the fact that they can't verbalize their emotions, as well as women, make it difficult to come across as somebody that really wants to work on the relationship. But the thing is, what's happening in their minds is that if if I'm a man, I want to develop as much as women. Maybe I am a little bit more focused on career or more focused physically on things. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to develop my relationship and have a happy, successful, intimate relationship and happy wife. And, and, and if you want to have kids or things like that, it's very true. You want to develop pretty much the same in that area as any other area in your life. It's just that you're having a hard time communicating it. And I think what men really want is to feel that they're taking care of their families and they have, they are giving them the life that they want giving the the woman the life that she deserves and needs, giving the kids life that they they deserve and need. And sometimes they do that mistakenly because they think that if I work harder, I can make more money and I'll take care of them. But they tend to neglect that, hey, you're not present right now with me so that I can have a relationship with you. You're spending, you know, 16, 18 hours at work, but they don't see it that they're not developing there. They see it that, hey, I'm working hard. Can't you see? I'm doing everything I can to actually make things better for you. Whereas what the woman needs right now is that emotional connection. So one thing that all men probably can do better is tap into that emotion. And I think the other part of the question is what Daniela really helped me see is I can connect to my emotions better and I can communicate my emotions in certain ways that will she will actually appreciate. She appreciates romance. She appreciates, you know, emotional gestures and romantic gestures. And uh, I'm not the best at that, but hey, when I actually get one right, <laughs> it's like I'm the king of the world. You know, I've, you know, he puts me on top of the mountains. So. <laughs> Love it. 
I think that women can actually help men connect with their emotions and provide them with a safe space to feel okay to express themselves. Because, And that's probably something we might have heard about is that oftentimes um, young boys are, are taught, you know, to always be strong, to toughen things out. And, mm-hmm. and they are not encouraged to express their emotions. Like things might have improved by now, but maybe previous generations we're not encouraged to do so. And because women are so much more into their emotions or we care for each other, right? If you think of a woman, right, her role is a nurturer, right? To take care of the family, the kids or your neighbors, etc. right? I would imagine like it is within our kind of inborn capabilities to kind of express that. So especially if you're a woman for whom it is easy to express love, you can extend that to your husband or to your partner and Make them feel that it's okay to open up, right? And and, and that's part of being in an intimate relationship, right? That you can be so vulnerable with each other, like you probably may not be with uh, other people and talk about hard things that are not easy to talk about. And we definitely needed to go through that ourselves. But that's also when you build trust. So um, that's one thought that comes to my mind. Second, you mentioned about some of the differences that are not being appreciated when it comes to men and women. And I feel like there are a few things. So first, people like people who are like them, right? So if suddenly you are faced with a person who is very different from you, you are almost in a state of a shock. It's like, wait, what's going on? I'm not getting the response I want, right? <laughs> and then people get upset and then... And then maybe they don't dig into the why. It's like, oh, how come, why, why can't you be this and this way, right? Versus asking a better questions like, hey, tell me more. How does this make you feel, right? Or like, um, why do you think this way, right? Or like, like something happened, you know, like tell me kind of what was going on in your head, like in a good way, right? Like approach your conversations with curiosity, not like that the partner is purposefully trying to be mean to you. But no, like mm-hmm. he just has a different perspective, right? Versus taking things personally. And I think that sometimes what we as women do a little bit too much, that we take things too personally without really understanding um, what he was trying to communicate or, and maybe he wasn't communicating very well, but don't just get triggered by the first conversation that you have or the, Hmm. um, and of course it's important to talk about these things, right? Let's say you might have certain trigger words that upset you and you don't want to hear about it. Like yesterday we were having a conversation and he said one word, I was like, no, I don't want to hear about it. It's like, you know, it's so funny. You listen to other people. And like, when I say something, you don't. And like, so we talk about this all the time, right? But anyway, so, and then I told him, look, this is my trigger word. Please don't use that, you know? Yeah, and I think that's really key. It's, it's acknowledging the differences and even applauding them or commending them. I mean, you don't have to applaud them, but at least accept them. But don't fault the man for being a man. You know, a man is going to be a man. And if, if you're trying to make him different, they're actually going to be a very, very unhappy man. And same as women, you know, you can't tell a woman not to be emotional when when she wants to be emotional. You can't tell her not to tap into her feelings and and talk about them. And if the man wants to do that too, it's okay. But, you know, you got to understand those differences and not try to suppress them or change them. Cool. I want to pick something again from what Daniela said about being women naturally being nurturing. I certainly consider myself to be a huge nurturer and I forget to care about myself sometimes. And I have noticed that, and Danny, please chime in here. I think that that's generally women's character, but from where we come from also, like we kind of grew up in an environment where we especially see that as an example. 
that our moms, our grandmas are very, very nurturing and sometimes they've been super overextending themselves to just care and always put the family first. But as I said, this is not just like our cultural thing. This is overall a trait um, that is more associated to women. And I'm curious to what maybe you can share as your advice to how do you keep yourself under check? Like as much as you love your husband and you want to care about him, I think, how do you ensure that you put yourself first? I'm a big believer, and we've talked about this before in our the podcast episode as well, that self-love is not selfish. It's important for you to make yourself happy, and after that, you can make others happy. And if I remember correctly, we reached an agreement of that. And I'm curious to like what you can share with fellow women about keeping that good balance of caring about your partner and if they have kids or the extended family and also caring about themselves. Absolutely. Yes, that's a that's a great question. So I agree. Self-love is absolutely essential. And honestly, you can't build a good relationship if you're constantly doubting yourself, if you're looking at yourself as less than, even if you are even comparing yourself to, to your partner. That's, that's not good either. That's when people start even competing with each other, right? Both of you are very different. You are unique individuals. And even if you might be in the same industry, even if you may have the same career paths, you don't want to bring competition in the relationship, right? If it happens, you are, let's say, two doctors or two lawyers, um, you're much better off if you um, help each other out and and be collaborative and supportive of each other in, in your career. But going back kind of to what you said about taking care of yourself and making sure that you come strong into that relationship, you need to do what feeds your soul, right? And like what takes, uh, what helps you stay strong physically, mentally, emotionally, and then you can truly um, be the best person you can be to show up for your partner. So if that is your morning workout or your walk on the beach or in the forest or meeting with your girls and having your girly time and that allows you to get your needs met and, you know, do that. Every person has different ways how you fill your cup, but it's so important that you do that. I mean, it's definitely, you know, much easier to do that before you have children, but even then, right, you need to figure out a way how to do that because you cannot keep running on empty, right? Um, and um, like it shows if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not feeling good in your body or you're having some aches or you're struggling with your health, this is going to affect your relationship. You'll be more moody or different things will trigger you that normally wouldn't. So to me, it's a common sense. I know that me taking care of myself is not standing in the way of us having a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, when I do that, when I do my morning workouts, or even if it was in the evening or whatever, like there are many days when I would come home late from work, like especially when I started my actually current job, the first six months were grueling. Like I was giving it so much time and hours that I was definitely very dedicated, right? But he definitely didn't see much of me, you know, the first maybe three, four months, right? And he was then even being a little worried about me that I'm going too hard. But anyway, and, and yet he was still very supportive. So Again, what he said before about the communication, you need to talk to your partner about what's important to you, what feeds your soul, why do you need that time? And if that is an issue uh, for your partner, then you really need to have a conversation, right? Because like you should have time for yourself. It shouldn't be like, oh, like, can I do this? Like, no, you need to take care of yourself. I would say one thing that Daniela does very, very well is that 
she builds me up a lot. <laughs> if you want to do one thing in the relationship, here it is, right? Build your other partner up. Don't worry about anything else. Just build them up. And sometimes she builds me up so much that, you know, to a detriment, it's like, okay, maybe you can give me some feedback here. You know, what, what could I have done better, right? And tell me really, you know, what I sucked at. Because you also want feedback if you wanted to do something and you wanted to improve at it. So you got to, you know, you got to talk about that too. But if you build your partner up and fill their cup, everything else will fall into place. And sometimes building somebody up means you got to be there for them in different ways. You got to understand that they're working hard on something that is really important to them and you got to give them space. Or you might be have to be the shoulder that they need to cry on because something happened and, you know, they, they had a fight at work or something didn't go their way and they just want to vent. Your job is not to judge. Your job is not to say, oh, I told you so. Your job is not to say, why are you doing this? Your job is to sit there and listen and just be there and understand what they're going through with no judgment. And if you really do that and do that well, everything else is just going to fall into place naturally. Awesome. I love everything that you guys said about it. One thing, and we've talked about this before, it was one of my favorite things that I've ever heard coming out of the husband's and the men's mouth, put it that way, which was part of listening. There's a joke we have in Georgia, in my home country, that men sometimes wish to have a remote control for women to put <laughs> them on mute. So I don't know, actually, fortunately, in my family, I don't have that many men who feel that way, but it is kind of like a cultural understanding of like, oh, women just talk too much. but. I think that whether it is this common sort of stereotype everywhere or not, I do believe that a lot of men maybe don't know how to sit down and be supportive and listen. And I think that that's a very rare trait to find because you guys often have a tendency of getting locked in your head and like being focused on your things. And I want uh, Mo, maybe you can share a bit of advice on how are you able to become a better listener? Because that's not only important in a romantic relationship, that's important everywhere in any kind of relationship, right? In business relationship, I've seen that trait to be bringing people enormous success. But especially when it comes to us women, we love when we can share with our partner and they can genuinely sit down and listen. Like, one of the things that I absolutely adore about my partner is that I have never, ever seen him like pick up the phone or do something else when I'm talking to him, like looks at me straight in the eyes. And like, I know that he genuinely cares. Like I've never noticed him like trying to get away from the conversation. And Danny, I'm sure you can agree with me here. Like it makes us feel so amazing. Like we want to be more kind of like dive into this relationship head in and be even more invested. So share a little bit from your perspective, what role does good listening skill play in building a sweeter relationship with Danny? And how do you build that? How do you find that attention and patience to be a good listener? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, and the, the funny part is all understanding really begins with listening. And a lot of people think that, okay, I'm hearing the words coming out of your, your mouth, so I'm listening to you, but hearing is not listening. Hearing might just mean that, hey, I am receiving the stimulus of the vocal cords hitting my ear, but it's not really being processed well. And I think that's what most men might have problems with because 
don't get me wrong, I'm a consultant by training. And a lot of men might think the same way. Men are problem solvers. If something is wrong or you want to talk to me about a problem that you have, men are just going to jump to the solution. It's like, okay, let's go and fix it. No, do this, do that, move on, right? Because they process things in ones and zeros sometimes, and they're very <laughs> consequential thinkers, right? If you tell me a problem, I'm going to tell you a solution. If you're going to, you know, zig, I'm going to zag. If you give me one, I'm going to give you zero. And they literally just think in connecting dots and logically from one thing to another. What helped me become a better listener was that distinction that I actually learned when I started coaching, uh, when I was learning about what coaching is. It's interesting. I'll still remember it to this day. I think it happened like four, four years ago or so. One of my mentors was talking about it and he said, your job as a coach is not to find solutions for what the other person needs. Your job is to stay there and listen to what they're saying and help them find their own solutions and come up with their own answers. And that to me was a mind blowing because I was like, wait a minute, I was getting paid all that time for a consultant to actually find out solutions, but now I'm going to have to sit back and listen and, and let them come up with their own. So what, what use am I? And it was very hard to get over that because I had to stay there and say, okay, I'm going to listen to Daniela talk and she's going to tell me all her problems. I'm going to resist saying or anything that might help or think or I think that is going to help. And I'm just going to let her process, let her say whatever she needs to say, let her process. All you need to do is nod and hum, say, yes, I see what you're going through. I completely understand. What else has happened? How do you feel? Tell me more. And then after they come to a point where they said what they needed to say, your partner said what they need to say, you don't still say any solutions. You you hold your tongue because if you say a solution, you're screwing it up. Women hate it when you try to give them a solution. You tell them, hey, what do you think you should do in this situation? Now, if you do that, trust me, your woman is going to love you till cows come home. It's like, hey, wait a minute. What did you do with my with my boyfriend or husband, right? And it's very, very hard for men. And it needs training. It didn't happen by accident. I needed to train for this, actually. And sometimes I just like needed to do something with my hands so that I don't say anything. But with time and training, you can do it. And I would say to women out there, try to use the listening moments that your husband gives you or your boyfriend or your partner for the important things. Try not to do that with gossip. Because, you know, if you're just gossiping and things like that, that you talk with your, your girlfriend or, you know, it's hard for men to process that. But if you really need them to listen, use that time preciously and use it for the important things. And when they do that, and men, if, they, if men do that a little better, they'll see amazing response from their partners. I agree. Wonderful. Danny, how does that make you feel when he sits down and listens so intently? He's a great listener. I think Mo is much better listener than I am. And um, I've been trying to learn from him. Um yeah, and he's very patient. I think that's one of his other great qualities. So absolutely, especially when I'm upset or I'm, I'm distressed about something, I come to him, right? He's my best friend. He's my partner. And naturally, I want him to care, right? And I want him to listen. I guess the one thing I, I do want to point out is that, especially when you need that listening time, you want to pay attention to your partner's body language or especially the, the facial expressions because there are times when I want to interact with Mo and it doesn't have to be for this deep listening session but something right like and then he's in the middle of something or even if he's not like I see it in his eyes and it's like yeah not now and then and I need to respect that because if I push too hard and he's just going to be upset and he's like I told you so or like even if he doesn't say that way uh, it's not gonna work right and similarly right if you're if your partner sees you that you're really 
distress, right? Usually then that that's would be when he definitely knows that um, he should be there for me and he, he would show up. So pay attention to those subtle clues because oftentimes I know when he wants to say no, but he's not telling me no. Like it's written on his face, but I know that for some reason, you know, it's not easy for him to say no because he loves me so much. So I actually need to encourage him more to do that because I want us to have that freedom to really express how we feel every time, right? Like each of us need to be free to say no when we want to say no. And of course, that is not easy to hear. But at the end, like if you don't take it personally, or like it doesn't mean that uh, your partner doesn't love you. Sometimes it means not now, doesn't mean never, right? Um, uh, and then, um, you know, distance yourself a little bit from it, then, you know, it, it might be just okay. And then you realize, hey, like, this is actually like a small thing, right? It doesn't really matter at all. If it's like a big deal, and well, maybe you can talk about it some more, right? But yeah, pay attention to your partner, because especially if you've been together for a long time, you you can tell how they look at you, right? It's it's all written on their face. It's something you just said. It's really like I love talking about reading the body language and understanding the expressions and the silent language of your partner. I feel like people don't take enough time to observe and pause and just watch out for your partner. And that's also like so important. Like you can't always rely on them to speak up and say something. Sometimes even they don't understand they're in their own head, like um, men or a woman in a relationship. But it's a fascinating topic for me, which I would like to maybe not go into right now because we're over the hour and there's something that I really, really want to talk about before we conclude our interview, which is the love and money relationship. We've mentioned this before and we all agreed that it is a topic that's not often talked about and often that ruins the relationships, whether it's from setting the right expectations or different money management habits, different planning habits for financial success and freedom. And I think that um, especially when you have a husband like Mo, who does invest all the time and effort in building the financial freedom and wants to educate and coach other people, I think that it might get, it might go both ways. It might be super easy. It might be super tough. I would like to get your perspective from both of you. What, how do you handle that? It's also very difficult for couples to talk about money. I've heard from many friends that they feel ashamed to talk to their a partner about their credit card bills and things like that. And this can all build up. This can all kind of generate a lot of unnecessary, unpleasant conversations and upset, angry feelings. So from your perspective of how your journey has unfolded on this and your personal and also as a couple financial freedom, like, can you share some tips, some thoughts and advice on what, would you say are like maybe like best in your understanding strategies of how couples can handle this very, very important topic? Now that I've, I've actually worked with so many people and, and, and like you mentioned, that's what I do. I coach people on how to become more financially successful and financially free. And it breaks my heart to see that even statistics show that the number one issue that couples fight over 
is finances. And, and I think number two is probably intimacy, but something shows that around 58% of couples fight over finances. And I think the challenge with it is we come up with all of those reasons why it's taboo, right? And, and, and couples talk about everything and you can talk about everything like sex. You can talk about intimacy now. You can talk about other relationships. You can gossip. You can talk about anything, but you don't want to talk about finances. And I, I think the challenge here, I mean, I'll probably talk about both sides, but for men, they feel that if they needed to talk about finances, then they're doing something wrong, right? They're not taking care of the family. They're coming up short and they take it in a very prideful way, right? It's almost like hurting their pride if you talk about finances. That's a development area for all men. We need to understand talking about finances is actually a good thing because your partner, believe it or not, can help you get there faster. They can help you get to your financial goals faster. But you can't do that by saying, okay, I'm just going to assume that they know what they need to do and I'm going to manage my own finances for the family and, and my partner can do their own thing. It just doesn't happen that way. And from the other side for women, I mean, there's a lot of women now that share equal burden in managing the financial ship that we call family, right? I mean, it's a ship that takes two people. And sometimes the burden is equal. Sometimes it's even uh, lopsided on one, one side or the other. And the way to steer that ship is you need to understand how you want to talk about the ship and where the loads are. Everybody comes in a, in a relationship with their own financial habits. And some habits are bad. Some habits are good. And it's unfortunate then people would look at this and say, well, now that I'm married, I can't do this. I can't overspend on that. People just look at the things that they have to give up or the negatives of talking about finances too, way too much, in my opinion. And they don't tend to look at the things that they can accomplish when they talk openly about finances. And, and I think that's key. If people start focusing and saying, okay, if I open up to my partner, I can actually save more. Maybe I can build a bigger financial nest. Maybe I can invest better. Maybe I can start working on my own goals and dreams and times two. It's it's two X because they're working on their goals and dreams too. And we're going to join forces. If you need to make sacrifices, it's not going to be just your sacrifice. It's going to be their sacrifice so that you can actually do better budget management. But at the end of the day, it's all about that kind of self realization and self-maturity that both sides need to have. And you need to work on yourself and understand that, you know, talking about your finances is not talking about your dirty laundry, right? It's just talking about something that you do, like working out, like your relationships at work, like your relationship with your partner. And it has to be done. If you don't talk about it, if you don't, don't spot the light on it, it's just going to get neglected and it's going to get worse. The one thing I would add uh, to this is that you need to take out the shame out of finance, right? Especially if you feel yep. like, oh, I'm not earning enough or I have some debt and feeling bad about it. Look, like you need to look at the situation as it is, right? It's neither good or bad or or maybe it's great. Like you have lots of money in your bank. That's great. But you need to take out the feelings, the emotions out of it and look at it strictly from a rational perspective, right? And this is often when your partner can help you, right? Or especially, let's say, if we're talking about men, right? Then um, men tend to look at these things a little bit more uh, rationally, right? So um, I think it's important to address this topic early on in the relationship as soon as you start 
getting serious, especially from the point when you have, let's say, shared accounts or right, or, or you share expenses, etc. Right? You need to talk about these things. And at the beginning, sure, it's not easy, right? But like you will warm yourself up towards that. And I think that's what voted very well with me or um, when we started having those conversations early on. And and this wasn't easy for me, right? But because he was understanding and he made me feel secure that, hey, this is like any other topic, right? People make a big deal out of it because sure, finances are important, but it's not like this big taboo or, you know, there isn't, um, you know, some monster waiting out there for you for you to eat you, for, for, uh, to eat you, right? <laughs> <laughs> You need to think about it as any other subject, right? If you were to go to a grocery store and buy some food for your dinner, right? Like in the same way, you know, you need to look at your finances. Of course, it carries more importance. But um, if you are afraid of talking about it, then you are facing the risk of never really addressing it and then struggling financially in different ways, especially let's say if there's a time when something does happen and you should actually voice it out to your partner if you haven't spoken about that before, you're more likely to keep it to yourself and then things get really bad or then they get really upset and then they challenge your trust or, you know, honesty, why you didn't tell them, right? Like it can spin in many different ways, but um, yeah, I definitely agree. It's, it's something that needs to be addressed. And if you, if you need help, I'm sure there's lots of coaches or even like books or, but at the end, it just comes down to the belief of knowing that, your partner wants the best for you. And even though this is hard to talk about, and even if you have bad experience from previous relationships or even from how you saw your parents handle it or talk about it, uh, you will need to be um, okay with kind of stepping into this uncomfortable zone, maybe initially, but trusting your partner that they love you, want best for you, and that you shall also uh, forget things, uh, figure things out in this area. Yeah, and, and, and get to making the financial decisions together. I think that's mm-hmm. also key because that will make it simpler and, and less taboo. I mean, I can't believe that people will talk about religion and politics and they won't talk about finances. And that's like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> you, know, you talk about so many personal things, but you won't talk about finances. But make financial decisions together. We made a lot of financial decisions mutually when we planned our wedding, for example. We started saying, okay, we need to plan this. We need to create a budget. Which vendors are we going to use? And that is going to get you in the groove. That's going to get you into making this simple and just like any anything else that you talk about. That is wonderful to hear from both of your perspectives. I think from my own experience, one kind of like the way I would summarize in the summary note on my end that I would also add in would be it is like I personally took a liberty of educating myself on personal finances for a few years before I even got into a relationship. And I would say I had a pretty solid understanding of where I wanted to go and how. And when I joined like a few groups that like had like, you know, like events in this area or would introduce you to people that could teach you and educate you more on that. Like I unfortunately found way too many women who were not taking the proactive action in this area. And it, it really, really hurt me because I realized from the real life examples that women have a tendency of putting too much in their partner's hands. And that's not the bad thing, but the reason why they do it is bad in the sense that they feel most of the time overwhelmed and thinking that they can't understand this. They can't handle it. And quite frankly, like it is like as easy as two plus two is equal four. Right. And there's not too much of a science behind it. There are ways how you can make it easy. And I'm very 
happy to hear that like some of the things that you both shared from your perspectives, like this is phenomenal. And I'm sure there is even like, like deeper we could go into. And there's so much I want to talk about with you guys. And we probably would never end this. Um, but we are definitely way over hour. And I don't um, want to bore the audience, put it that way, with too many questions and too many topics. But as a last piece of note or question or thought, however you want to call it, that I would share is I shared with you before, and I definitely want to mention it, especially in today's world when we are so divided into like thinking radically on one topic versus another, that one of the most beautiful things I have appreciated about YouTube and something that was truly a very eye-opening, mind-opening, heart-opening experience really was attending your wedding. And you mentioned when you were introducing yourselves and you're talking about your relationship from the very beginning that one of you grew up in Middle East and one of you grew up in Eastern Europe coming from different cultures, different religions. I think one of the reasons why I love you both so much is you bringing these two very different worlds together and merging it into a beautiful family. And I think that you, for me, are a living example of how our differences do not, and the, the different backgrounds where we grew up, do not make us different people. Like we are the same. We can relate, we can understand, and we can respect one another's perspective. We can respect one another's upbringing. And to me, like, I still remember, like, I had tears in my eyes as I was watching you guys get married in the church. It was the most beautiful experience having both religions, both families represented there, like so many friends, international friends from all over the world. And you, in many ways, are a living example of how relationships can, no matter what, really be turned into a great, loving, wonderful experience. So personally, I want to thank you for that. And I think that audience also deserves to know that you walk the walk and you talk the talk. Um, and if you would like to share maybe a few things about this experience, I would really love for others to hear about it. Thank you. <laughs> There is so much to say about that, perhaps for some more context. So I grew up in a very Catholic family, practicing, very involved. And at the beginning of our relationship, my family was actually quite concerned about me dating a Muslim man. That was a, um, you know, a, kind of a, a big... Uh, um shock shock <laughs> i'm looking for the right word yeah it was something that took my family a long time to get around and uh uh you know especially if um if your life is so embedded in these very strong beliefs and you're religious right and and your faith is very important to you right so for them i was introducing them to a whole new world and um you know the one thing that i knew was important to me is that um being certain and the quality of most character to me it wasn't the fact that he he was muslim to me is like can i trust him as a man do i see him as a man that i can rely on do i know that he loves me and can i see myself building my life with him and of course we talked a lot about religion before the wedding and whatnot and i knew that 
there were many things we were we can agree on or he was he has been always very understanding of my faith and encouraging me supporting me in in my faith and i knew that we would figure things out but the truth is that we did need to fight for a relationship very strongly like it wasn't uh, you know very easy but what's important is that you choose your partner it's not your family unless you live maybe in certain places where arranged marriages still happen you make that choice of who you want to spend the rest of your life with so anyway that maybe uh, would be a piece of advice for couples who might be an interreligious relationship of course it doesn't mean that these things are easy right like i think in so many ways we're blessed and what we have is very unique i don't take it for granted at all and i know we need to work on our relationship every day but it's our beliefs that connect us and we're both uh, spiritual and i think there's a lot of commonalities between how we look at religion as well but we don't let this divide us but connect us and bring us together and see the goodness within each other and also within each other's cultures and and see the gifts that both of those worlds bring. That is absolutely wonderful to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Quite frankly, like I'm having a little hard time thinking about what I wanted to say at the end of it because I was just listening to you and again remembering the wedding ceremony. And I don't think that I will ever forget that, and it will ever become the just the memory of like, oh yeah, like Danny and Mo's wedding. I think truly, honestly, it will always stay with me as one of the most amazing experiences I ever went through. This was truly amazing to have a conversation with you both about relationships. And as I've said, it's very difficult to find people these days who are super authentic and who really live what they believe and not just like show it to the outer world. And I think you guys are one of the greatest examples in my experience. And some of the things that I really wanted to emphasize that you shared during our conversation were number one, and probably the most important, was to proactively communicate the expectations and be understanding. Beautiful thing that we mentioned about the ability to listen, which was not only a great tool in your romantic relationship, but overall, quite frankly, Mo, I was also a bit kind of like shocked and surprised by what you said about relating coaching to listening instead of giving solutions. I think even like when I think about my understanding of coaches, like I think of them as like, I'm hiring you so you can help me provide solution. Right. (laughs) But that's actually like so true being there to help them find your own answers. And that's also beautiful about your partner goes both ways. Not just like men doing that for their female partners or any kind of gender relationship where like the opposite it's just it was beautiful there were so many interesting things that we've mentioned and so many great things that we've talked about and I think that one last thing I would say is the most important thing I think if I take this away correctly from you guys in the relationship is being open to change and adapt and learn from your partner I think that really was kind of like a screaming theme across everything that you've shared in this conversation. And I feel like we need more encouragement and we need to hear more from people like you about the fact that it's all about accepting the fact that you need to grow in multiple different ways to have a good and really great fulfilling relationships. So I thank you both for wonderful conversation. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Maria. It means a lot to us. 
Thank you. You were such a wonderful person to share this conversation with, and we couldn't have asked anybody else to guide us through this conversation. So we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And again, we're not perfect, right? We work on our relationship every day. And I don't think there's anything uh, such as perfect relationship, but you can make it beautiful, you know, through the small, simple things. Like it's not about like the fancy dinners and fancy vacations. It's about how you show up every day. So thank you, Mariam. And thank you to everybody listening. We really appreciate your time you spent with us. Let us know what, what you thought, if anything resonated with you and what sparked your interest, or if you have any comments, questions, you can reach me at Instagram at Danny Tamras. You can reach me at moretamras.com too, or Facebook at moretamras. Terrific. And please go check out the episode we recorded with Mariam earlier, episode number eight. If you enjoyed this one, you will absolutely love my conversation with her earlier. Thank you so much, Mariam. This was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. It was my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me. And most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember... Now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.